3: I'm Andrew Hody.
4: Get ready for bowl season and the college football playoffs anytime you want on Cleveland Sports Radio, 92.3 The Fan. <laughs>
0: was up late writing last night and you can read it all on brownzone.com he covers the browns for the chronicle telegram he'll be listening to kevin stefanski's zoom call press conference at 12 30 he is scott petrack from the chronicle telegram hello scott good to have you with us buddy what's happening scott what's going on fellas you tell me man this oh is, how, how many years have you been on the beat
5: this is number 20
0: You've never seen anything like this, have you? Because I, I've been doing it even longer than you have. I've never seen anything this bizarre in my career covering this football team.
5: No, you're exactly right, Jeff. And it's, it's tough to capture, you know, in a story. You refer to it, and it feels like we talked about it all year. But, like, when you take a couple steps back, and I think we have time to do that this weekend, right? With the, with the no games and the playoff spot locked up just everything that the Browns have gone through, right? The injuries are one thing. And then to persevere through that and keep winning games is something else. But then to be on this run late in the year with Joe Flacco coming off his couch, former rival with the Ravens, and then really give the team and the fan base a true sense of belief that I I think everyone believes that they can beat anyone. And, I thought Amari Cooper last week had the perfect quote when he called Joe Flacco a faith multiplier. I really think he's had that kind of impact on this team. And on top of that, he's playing unbelievable football.
1: Scott, it continues to blow me away how Joe Flacco just at any given point, they will call a deep shot for Joe Flacco, and he will immediately take it and just fling it. And this defense is so good that even if it's a pick, Scott, it's not backbreaking. There are no more backbreaking picks for this team because this defense has just been unbelievable. Do you feel the same way?
5: I I do, and you know, I I think there's two parts of that. One is Flacco's ability to throw to all parts of the field, and that opens up the playbook. It opens up the run game, and we hadn't seen the run game have a lot of success over the last month, but you saw it yesterday in the first half, and there was room, and I thought Jerome Ford ran as hard as I've seen him run. And it was nice to see, and they're going to need that balance to the pass game. But Flacco's ability to make those big plays, it's so much easier to score when you're going three plays instead of 15 plays. And they've done the 15-play drives, and they've done it for the last two weeks. But it's nice to mix in those short drives where you get, whether it's Flacco throwing it 55 yards down the field and your Joku catching a short one and running for 40 yards, it just changes things. And Flacco allows you to do that because the defense is spread out to cover every inch of the field because his arm makes the defense do that. Um, so that's part of it. And then the giveaways, I mean, they've given the ball away all year long, right? They leave the league. It's 30-some giveaways. It, it, it's impossible. when you add the list of unlikely things, them to be 11-5 and five with the turnover margin and the number of giveaways, it, it's incredible. And – the defense is a re- like you said, the defense is a reason for that because, you know, they've still given up a bunch of points off turnovers. And I don't think a lot of that's the defense's fault. Um, but you saw great examples of yesterday where Brauns are turned over and they get a stop or they hold them to a field goal, whatever it is. And that just allows you to stay in the game. And there's not this sense of, oh, we can't recover from that because they can recover because the defense probably isn't going to give up a whole lot of yards or a whole lot of points.
0: Scott Petrack joining us. You know, the thing, and we were just chatting about it during the break, Scott, before you joined us. The thing that's been really, to me, and bizarre, interesting, whatever you however you want to describe it, Flacco's been better than anybody ever thought he would be. But the team has allowed him to be that good. And, and I mean that because the support system has been there despite all the injuries. That's the thing to me that's just stunning. It's like, all right, you got you got tackles on this team. We knew who James yep. Hudson was. We didn't know who, who Christian was, you know, and you you got running backs out there who weren't supposed to be there on a regular basis. You didn't have Amari Cooper last night. You didn't have Elijah Moore for half the game. And yet everything still clicks and allows a quarterback to do what he does. That That's not supposed to happen.
5: No, you're right. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. And a whole bunch of people that deserve credit. And I, I think a lot of it belongs to Joe Flacco, right? We've seen other sure. quarterbacks not be able to spread the ball around like he does, right? And it's seven guys, I think it was seven guys yesterday and eight the week before and or nine the week before. And it's been like nine, eight, nine, seven throughout his starts. He just knows how to get the ball to the open guy. And that's, I, I think that's a credit to Joe Flacco. Uh, but there's also guys that are capable of catching it and capable of blocking for him, and that's Andrew Barry in his front office. And I don't think they've gotten enough credit. You know, I've focused a lot on Kevin Stefanski, and I think that's rightfully so, and I need to include him when we talk about um, the ability to overcome all this stuff and the ability to adapt to Joe Flacco and his skill set, right? The offense looks a lot different just from a personnel standpoint and how they're running it standpoint than it did with the other quarterbacks because Joe Flacco is a different quarterback and they're doing play action and they're bootlegging him and they're throwing deep and that's Kevin Safansky and Alex Van Pelt adjusting on the fly so they deserve a bunch of credit but I feel like Andrew Barry the general manager hasn't gotten the praise that he deserves because this roster is deep it took a while to get there you know this is his fourth year too um, but I think the roster is incredibly deep. You talked about Jaron Christian, right? He was on the street, and now he's your starting left tackle heading into the playoffs. And he hasn't been a pro bowler, but he's been good enough. Yeah. And you've seen that in a bunch of different positions. You saw the kicker, right? They had to go get a kicker and a punter. And those guys didn't cost him the game yesterday. And Joe Flacco, right? I mean, he's a prime example. And I don't know, you know, they had other choices, and they went with Joe Flacco, and you can say, well, they like, lucked into that and there's a certain amount of that. But Andrew Barry has made a bunch of good decisions, and there's a ton of credit for this run.
0: One thing I thought was funny last night, and I get it, Blacko kept talking about the wide receiver coach. And he said, our yeah. wide receiver coach, and our wide receiver coach.
5: And I thought,
0: he doesn't know his name yet.
5: Well, And, and yeah, I get that, he, you know? He did. I thought that same thing, too, but he said CO. So I think he did know Chad O'Shea because I thought okay. the same thing. But I did. I went back and re-listened to it, and he did say "co."
0: Okay. Well, yeah. I, I wonder if he knows that that "co" stands for something,
5: right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't shock me. I mean, I, yeah, I feel and, the and same exact b- way. Couldn't blame him.
5: Yeah, I know. Um, I'm with you.
1: I mean, hell, we're all coming off holiday party season where we walked into a bunch of people going, "Hey, <laughs> good to see you, Where's pal." The, where are the name tags? <laughs> where you been, bud? Or you're having to use your significant other, be like, "Can you introduce yourself to this person?" Because I don't know who the hell his name is. Like we've all done that more times than we could go. Scott Petrack, Chronicle Telegram, joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. The other big thing that stood out to me with this game, and not only throughout the entire Flacco run, has been the impact of David and Joku, not only on the field, but also off the field, where I think he's still partying to this day, going or to this morning going absolutely nuts. How important has a Joku been to this roster?
5: Oh, it's been huge. And you look at you know, I think if you started the season, maybe he was the third or fourth option. Um, you know, you had Nick Chubb, you had Amari Cooper, you had everyone expected Elijah Moore to have a huge role. And then there's David Njoku. And The Browns always expected a lot from him and really valued him and, you know, saw all the potential he had. But now he's, you know, he's probably your number two behind Amari Cooper. You could argue he's your number one option on offense. Um for some reason, teams are ignoring him to some degree, right? And I think it's because, you know, the Browns will keep him in the block, um, help him pass protection, then he releases. And that's tough for defense. You can't just, you know, do you devote a guy to stand at the line of scrimmage and wait while he chips, you know, the defensive end and then cover him. Um, but what happens is he's running out late in the downs, and he gets the ball and he takes off and he runs and he picks up huge yardage. He's really difficult to tackle. He can run away from guys. Uh, he's become way more consistent catching the ball. Uh, he's been great in the locker room. Kevin Svansky raves about the teammate he's become. You've really seen the evolution and maturation of David Njoku, and now it's showing up with a 100-yard game after 100-yard game, and it's been really impressive.
0: I I, I just need an opinion here. I I don't mean to be negative.
4: <laughs>
0: did they just go really conservative in the second half, or did the offense just fall apart?
4: Yeah.
5: I I don't think they got super conservative because they still threw it a decent amount. I I think, you know, I think they knew they would win with what they have 34 points at halftime. Right. I think Kevin Savansky said, Hey, we're going to win this game. Um, Let's try not to screw it up. And then they kind of tried to screw it up. Right. Almost fumbles. um, And they get away with that. And then Pierre strong junior does fumble and, you know, the defense, I think wound up getting a stop there, at least held them to a field goal. Um, I I just think it's part of it was, it's tough to keep that emotion. at such a high level. You know, you scored 34 points in the first half. You think you're going to go to the playoffs. Um, you lose Elijah Moore. You don't have Amari Cooper. I think all those things had an impact. I'm sure the jets adjusted and probably did something to take Dave Njoku out of it. Um, so I think those are all a combination. Uh, but I also think if they needed, and we saw it late in the fourth quarter, they wound up, they needed a field goal drive. They could get it. Um, I think they would have been able to figure out if it ever became close enough where they needed a drive.
1: Scott, I think the other biggest victory lap for this Browns team that happened yesterday was Jim Schwartz, the guy who was telling everybody to take in a victory lap But with with that crowd. I I mean, we've gone over this more times than we could count how important Jim Schwartz has been to not only the mentality, but this defense as well. But this really seems like the swan song of Jim Schwartz and how good this defense has been. And do you think it could carry this team to a couple playoff victories as long as Joe Flacco keeps taking shots?
5: Hey, I think if you have that combination of a quarterback who's lighting it up and you can trust, and a defense that's really good at all three levels and has an outstanding secondary that should get healthier, right? they have Ron Thornhill back. You would hope that Grant Dalbakin got back at some point in the playoffs. Um, Denzel Ward is back. He's still not playing – You know, he still didn't start – it feels like they're still easing him in, easing him in, but he wanted to play in a bunch of snaps yesterday. Um, you get the pass rush with Miles Garrett. Um, so yeah, I, I think that is the combination that gives you a chance to win any game, anywhere at any time. And what I think is important for this defense is it went on the road to Houston and played like it has at home all season. And they're going to need to do that, right? They're probably going to go have to go on the road in the playoffs unless. You know, Baltimore falls apart here. So I think it was important to see this defense travel because it had struggled on the road, but I think that game in Houston gave it the confidence that, hey, if we can go play at this dominant level anywhere, and, and I would expect to see that is is the playoff get it going.
0: Scott, I have a, a woulda, coulda, shoulda thought that's been in my head, and it goes back to what you said about Andrew Barry not getting enough credit for this mm-hmm. roster. And I think in in most positions, I think it's been evident that there's plenty of depth. There are a couple that I'd still like to see more guys, but that's that's neither here nor there right now. But the thought I've had is this. I wonder where this team would be, and every team has injuries, but without the absolutely critical injuries to your two starting tackles and your, I think, future Hall of Fame running back if the guy stays healthy and your starting quarterback, I wonder... I wonder what kind of team this would be. I don't know if it would be better than eleven and five, but I, I sure wonder what it might be. What 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 do you think it would be?
5: Yeah, that's really interesting, Jeff. Um Yeah, I mean I you I would have to think they would have another win at least, right? You think they I mean they should have won in Seattle, right? Yeah. If it's they're one play away. Um And if they had a different quarterback playing that game or if you had Nick Chubb, it's probably not as close. So, um, you know, you can give them that one. They probably should have won in week two. I mean, you know, I'd probably have them at 13-3 maybe. I don't think that's outlandish. And I wonder what
0: kind of a
1: playoff team it might be. But the other side of this guys, I mean, this team is a victim of circumstances and some of the ideas that you saw and some of the philosophies that have found their way into Joe Flacco is because of the desperation that
0: was caused. And Dan, that's one of the things that I'm wondering about is are they, are they successful because they've had these injuries and they've had to do some things? It's, it's just, I think a really fascinating thing to think about. And again, it's woulda, shoulda, coulda, neither here nor there, but it, it's something that's been bouncing around in my head and I, I can't figure it out.
5: Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, I don't think you want to mess with what they have going on right now. So I mean, yeah, you would want Nick Chubb back. Right. But I don't, I don't think they'd want to make a quarterback switch right now is oh. even as well as Deshaun Watson finished that Ravens game, right. The his last game, I think you ride with who you got. And I think you love the chemistry and how it's come together. Um, but I could see, you know, let's say they get knocked out in the playoffs, you could go, well, they really could have used those tackles, right? Yeah. I mean, that could come back to bite them. Man, they, their running game wasn't good enough, and Nick Chubb would have made a difference. Like, I, I think at the end of this, you might be able to look back and say that. But during this run, um, I, I think they've maximized what they could. And I do think but this confluence of events kind of has them where they are. So so I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they regret any of that except the fact that they don't have their guys, if Great, that makes sense. T- great to have you with us Good today, to talk to you, man.
0: Thank you, buddy. Could do this for an Stay hour. Close. Scott Petrack, Chronicle <laughs> Telegram, brownzone.com. Brownzone.com, where you can read all of Scott's work, and he does a great job covering the team. You'll hear Scott during Kevin Stefanski's Zoom call coming up at 1230. We will hear that right here on The Fan.
5: They had to go get a kicker and a punter, and those guys didn't cost him the game yesterday. And Joe Flacco, right? I mean, he's a prime example, and I don't know, you know, they had other choices, and they went with Joe Flacco, and you can say, well, they like, lucked into that, and there's a certain amount of that. But Andrew Barry has made a bunch of good decisions, and there's a ton of credit for this run.
0: That's absolutely true. That was Scott Petrack from the Chronicle Telegram just a few moments ago here on Basket at Phelps. And if you missed that interview, you can go back and use the uh, – Odyssey app, listen to it. It was terrific. I'd do that after the show, though.
1: We could have done an hour with them. Yeah, I mean that that Scott whole was going. He was going. You were going. That was a great question you posed, man. That's that's an hour right there.
0: The question of where would this team be without some of these key injuries? Yeah, yeah. I it, and again, that's you know that's kind of an abstract question to ask because it's not a reality situation. The reality is that they've done this and overcome all this stuff, but. The reason I was kind of thinking that, Dan, was this. And I and I I forgive me for getting way ahead of myself on this. Why is this team poised for the future? hmm Oh, know, the future's bright. That's the thing. If you know, if you can manage the cap and keep the guys you're gonna to want to keep and deal with all that effectively. And they've they've got a lot of young guys in depth spots who have been getting some real interesting playing time. You're not going to be able to keep all these guys, you know. You're becoming that kind of a team, but man, I, I just—it's sitting here looking like something that is sustainable. And, and by is sustainable, I mean okay, you're a playoff contender next year, right? I'm not going to take it any further than that. You're a playoff contender. You're not rebuilding. You've you've got talent here. You could probably lose to Darius Smith and you're
1: not losing your mind over it because Alex Wright has stepped up as well as he has. You could possibly move on from Juan Thornhill if you're running into cap situations because Ronnie Hickman has been as good as he is. You have developed talent behind your starters this year that you've started
0: building that pipeline. That you don't have to pay big money to exactly. Right away. You've started
1: yeah. building that pipeline. And you you're talking about the you know, the injuries and the abstractness of all of that stuff in there. There's a great book for those of you who love football out there. Um, it's called the Genius of Desperation. It's written by Doug Farrar, and it's a it's an awesome book because he chronicles all of the moments in football history that innovation has taken place because of the exact scenario that the Browns were in, because of injuries, because you just looked at what was in front of you and went, "Oh crap! How do we make this work? Yeah, you know, how do we play this?" And, and there's so many of those moments throughout history of how, like, even the West Coast offense was built because of desperation and how. Bill Belichick built the offense and, and Tom Brady and all of that stuff because of the desperation that's in there. And that's exactly where the Browns were. I mean, how many how many Mondays would we turn on these microphones and have full phone lines of everybody screaming and yelling because the Browns did some kind of trick play with DTR or P.J. Walker or something like that, and it came up short. And we looked at these people and said, okay, what was your solution to get the ball to move more than 10 yards down the field when you don't trust your quarterback to do it? And everybody would go, "Ah, uh, uh." (laughs) you would just end up flummoxing angry people, which would only make them angrier. Yeah. And that's the story of this team. And that's why when you pose that question of, okay, would they be in the same spot? My answer is, I don't know. I don't either. And I think the answer is no. Because if everything you came up with worked well, there's no desperation. And with no desperation comes no innovation.
0: It's... It's a fascinating situation. Yeah. It
1: it really is. What you saw this year is the victim of circumstances. I mean, that's really what this is. It's it's going to the whiteboard with Alex Van Pelt, and it's Chad O'Shea, and it's Kevin Stefanski, and it's, it's Stump Mitchell, and it's all these guys sitting down in the room going, holy crap, who still has four working limbs that we can use? Okay, how do we take all of these people we have with four working limbs and build an offense out of it? Like, (laughs) that's the way they had to look at this. It's awesome. And props to the Browns. And that's why this is the biggest celebration that it is. And that's why this team has everybody going as nuts as they are. Because it shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be here. We should have cratered like the Jets. All of the odds everywhere told you you were going to crater like the Jets. And you didn't.
0: And that's that's why everything you just laid out, people have... You know, people are going nuts, and everybody's getting excited. And you, we've heard the word Super Bowl, and you know, all number one seed and everything else. And I think, well, no, not with all these injuries. And then I think, well, you're eleven and five with all these injuries, right? So I, I can't sit here and say, well, no, that's not possible. Hell's bells! Anything. It's they, all they're, on the table. They've showing they've shown that anything is possible here. It's all on the table. Now, I also, I also. Th- Fear this, man, it could it could collapse in a heartbeat. Except for one thing. It hasn't. And if it does, it, it hasn't. And if it does, all of us will be bummed for a day.
1: And then after that, we're all gonna look at each other and go, What a How season in the world right. did we get here? What a season. <laughs> and it'll be one of those where someone will write the piece. And it'll find its way. Whether it's you know any of our great writers, any of our great columnists, will write the piece. Will they'll sit down and they'll chronicle the season, and we'll look back at that and go, "Oh my god, I forgot." David Njoku almost burnt himself to a crisp off of a fire. Like there will be oh, things. This
0: is this will this is a book season.
1: Yeah, yeah, there will be things this season that we'll all look at each other and go,
0: "Jeez, I well, totally forgot that this happened." Let me put a little. I think this might give it a little a uh, little more perspective. How many people if the Browns go to Cincinnati in the final weekend of the season and win? They're 12 and 5. How many people thought 12 and 5 was a realistic possibility at the beginning of the season when we had no idea that the team was going to be decimated by injuries? And this team decimated by injuries could go 12 and 5. This should I mean, have think, cratered. Think about that. This really should have cratered. I didn't and think 12-5 and five was possible no. with, with Nick Chubb and with Jack Conklin and with Jedrick Wills being healthy and with Deshaun out there having a good season. I didn't think 12-5 and five was, I thought, 10. I thought ten. Scream at me all you want. I had him at 9-8.
1: and eight. And the reason I had him at 9-8 and eight is because I thought that the offense would be really clunky to start the season mm-hmm. and that the defense would have to carry him and the offense would, would find itself come in late. And we would walk into next season going, okay, they missed out on the expectation of making the playoffs. But this offense is beginning to click. They have this defense as well with Jim Schwartz. And this should go in the right direction. And we will all feel positive going into 2024 to make the run. That's what I thought. And if you want to, you know, come at me and scream at me and all that stuff for things that I said in September, great. Sure, I'll listen to every last bit of it. I didn't see... Ten and I, I didn't see ten and six. I didn't see the possibility of eleven and six. I, I just looking at the schedule, looking at where we thought everything sat, the way this team looked, I didn't have it.
0: I I didn't either. Uh Jeff is in Saybrook. Hello, Jeff. What's happening, Jeff?
3: hey guys how you doing Great. go brownies well, man.
2: go brownies why why if you why? have t-mobile 5g home internet you might be hearing this why? a lot why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours why why because your network gives priority to cell phone users why? why good question why not switch to cox internet with two times faster download speeds than t-mobile 5g home internet during peak hours okay stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5g home for details t-mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone uses over home internet users during times of congestion.
3: Absolutely. Joe Brown listen to your conversation with interest. You know, I think we might be selling Deshaun a little bit short on this whole thing. I mean, his numbers win wise are, are very comparable and, and he's played in his schedule at the games he, the teams he played were a little more difficult than what Joe is. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for Joe Flacco and I'm keeping my fingers crossed. But Deshaun played some pretty tough teams. He did win in Baltimore. Joe Flacco is probably gonna have to do that if we get if we hope to get to where we're going.
0: And remember, four and four and one in the games where Watson was the quarterback of record, they were playing well with Deshaun Watson. I, yeah, well, none of this is yeah, being yeah. said to trash Deshaun Watson. Exactly. Please don't ever take it well, that yeah.
3: way. Yeah, I, I understand. I, I wish we really didn't have the conversation, but I understand it's part. Of, it's part of sports. Um, even touchdowns interception ratio. Joe Flacco is going to throw interceptions every time before the game starts. I tell my brother, "Okay, we're going to let's get the two interceptions out of the way." It will go from there. Joe's a gunslinger, man. He's going to fire it down the field. And that's his game. So that's probably why it looks like they're pushing the ball faster and farther down. But I don't have any – I think the quarterback room's in really good shape right now. I'm sure probably Joe's not going to be there next year. But I just wanted to make sure we weren't cutting Deshaun short on it because he won some big games for us, especially that Baltimore game. Oh, that that second
1: uh, half of the Baltimore game, I said he was – good golly, he was like – Perfect. He was really Penny Hardaway, NBA jam, caught fire, good luck. <laughs> You're not beating it. So, like
3: <laughs> So uh, we hope that um, Baltimore, I guess I'm hoping that Baltimore, I mean, so we get the 16 days off and we can rest a bunch of guys in, in Cincinnati. But I know the home game, the possibility of getting a home game is there, but I don't see Baltimore losing both games. So I kind of like to get it, put it to bed and let those guys rest for five, 14, Man. 15 days, whatever it is.
0: Jeff, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that either. Either scenario, actually, I think is terrific. Flacco has to
1: overtake Johnny
0: Manziel on team yards.
1: If he does that, I don't care what you do after it. Give everybody in until he throws sixty yards, and then you can pull. Him.
0: That's funny. The idea of playing I, whoever wins the uh, I'm AFC only like South. Mildly
1: seri- I'm, I'm like, actually serious. Too. I know you are. I really would like him to have that over Johnny Manziel. The idea of a we'll first round series
0: against, or first round series, first round game against mm-hmm. Jacksonville. Houston or Indy. I find that appealing.
1: No. In, is it bad that Indy's the one that scares me out of those? No, it's not. In, Shane steichen has no. got that team playing. No, that, that's My God. True. I mean,
0: but, Garner
1: Minshew might be a starter next but year.
0: But all three of those teams, I think, okay, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. I think if I, I had I to pick it, which one scared me, it's Indy. It, it could be fun. Something to worry about down the road. Your phone calls coming up, 216-474-0092. Kevin Stefanski, 1230. It's Baskin and Phelps with Menigan on a Celebration Friday. I wonder what Flacco's family felt like last night. Think about it. Joe spent his career, 11 years, I believe, in Baltimore, being hated by Cleveland Browns fans. <gasps> Booed. I mean, like it was a compliment. It's not like he played for Cincinnati. Okay, C- Cincinnati, we, we don't like the Bengals, but guess what? Well, it was Paul Brown, and their colors are orange and black, and they're in, in Ohio and everything else. The Steelers, uh, you hate the Steelers, but, you know, long-time rivals. The Browns were – the Ravens were the Browns. Yes. And I can't stand them. I, I still, to this day – and Flacco was the guy, and I just I, – I never hated Flacco. I always thought Flacco would let you back in the game. To be perfectly honest, oh, he's he's got Jay Cutler syndrome. Exactly, and but you know he came here and they would destroy the Browns. And John Harbaugh great, has a great record against the Browns. And his family was sitting in the stands last night. Read some quotes from his dad where he said, "This is the greatest thing ever. Cleveland signing him was just awesome." But I thought, really, that's great. Yeah, that's just awesome. The tingling has finally left his
1: hands. Is it? Isn't <laughs> that? But, but seriously, isn't that funny? Oh, I mean, it's my it, quad it's the finally guy,
0: healed. If I had to run another slant, good god! It's the guy who destroyed the Browns for years as quarterback of the team that the Browns used to be. Yeah, and he's here, loving it. His family's loving it. He's getting he's getting a chance to write. His epilogue. They're chanting his
1: name in the stadium like he's the rock. Like that's really what it's turned into is when everybody in the crowd would start chanting, Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. That's what it sounded like last night. It's just unbelievable.
0: It's it's fascinating.
1: Again, nobody had the bingo card that would walk home with the grand
0: prize of what took place this season. And to be honest, I watched Joe the last several years – you mentioned it earlier, Dan, we talked about it. When they signed him, I thought, Oh boy, okay. I, I was like, Oh, is, they're they're real desperate. And this guy's he, cooked. He threw the ball a lot, you know, when he was in New York last year, and it wasn't really good. He threw it a lot. I mean he clearly still had the arm, but everything else wasn't there, and for some reason it has cooked and clicked and everything else right here in Cleveland. Eric is in Cam's corner. Eric.
6: Hey, man! Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, um, man. Listen, I, it's gonna sound funny, guys, but I, I my one of two of my bold predictions at the beginning of the season was that they would they would go twelve and five, and um, that on in my my here is the boldest prediction that Deshaun Watson would throw for five thousand yards. Now, listen, I thought he would come back with a chip on his shoulder, and you know the story continues. But hey, that didn't happen. Um, what what we're seeing is, I think, really. I love what Flacco's doing, and, and, and the offense and the defense have been great. But I think, finally, Kevin Stefanski has evolved as a play caller. Um, in, in my opinion, there's been a lot of conservative football. I mean, he, he has his own run scheme, and, and that's what the Browns have been famous for throughout his tenure. But just just having Joe stretch the field, I mean, they're going down the field and scoring touchdowns in three and four-play drives. Uh-huh. like. I haven't seen – I don't even know if Bernie – I mean, I was a young kid when Bernie was around, but I don't know if Bernie was doing stuff like that.
0: But, Eric, that's so, not he necessarily would. conservative play calling either. No, that's going no.
6: for it. No. You know, and Marty and Marty was definitely, you know, an offensive-minded genius. And and the thing that really uh, gives Marty me the most joy defense. about this season, guys, and I'll end with this, is seeing those young Brown fans downtown at the game yesterday, interacting with the players, The Browns are back, and and Cleveland is back on the map, and the coverage by uh, Amazon was phenomenal last night. Tip my hat to Jimmy Haslam for being patient and and, and actually putting football people in charge. Um, It's it's been a joy, and uh, and go Browns. Go Browns.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much. I mean, the, the Amazon coverage was really good. It was a beautiful product that they put forward. I love Al Michaels. He's been on this show a bunch of times. I think he joined us during the pandemic and did story time with Al Michaels for like a half an hour, and it was tremendous. Al sounded like at about 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter that somebody was about to hand him a putter and five golf balls and a coffee cup. (laughs) Like, he was done. The highlight of the second half of that game was Herb Street's puppy, who was adorable, by the way.
0: That's fabulous. Are you uh – here, here's a stat that tells you of all you need to know about last night's game, and, and not from any perspective other than numbers. First time in NFL history the teams scored a combined 50 points in the first half and then didn't score a touchdown in the second half. First time in NFL history, 50 points in the first half and no touchdowns in the second half. Add it to the list. Hey. At least at least Al had a first half to call. Most of those Thursday night games are offensively brutal.
1: Yeah, he had a great first half. He uh, really did. Last but night yeah. wasn't. Oh, yeah, four minutes left. You could kind of tell. He was
0: like, can you just hand me the putter? <laughs> Ryan, you apparently made it through the blizzard, went to the game, the, the blizzard in the Midwest, and then you you made it to the game. You called us last night. You're calling us again. How are you, buddy?
4: Morning, uh, Jeff from the Medigan, man. What an experience last night. And, again, I would love to say that that's specifically why I drove here. Probably when I'm very old around a campfire and I came to the Browns game through the blitz. Well, he <laughs> came here for other reasons. But, again, one of the Browns games was one of the games particular. But, again, I can assure you, man, last night's experience going to game for the past pretty much 36 years I've been going, since 87. Uh, and, man, again, I'm not prisoner of the moment. But, man, last night, something from beginning to end, it just was different. You knew. You felt it. Obviously, you weren't being a Browns fan. You wanted to say, hey, we automatically get a win. We're just going to celebrate Because you knew in past years what can and what did occur last year, ironically, with the Jets. But again, just everything, man, from beginning, just pregame to aftergame, just one of the greatest experiences I've had and will ever have, I know, at a Browns game in particular, just everyone was in a different mind frame, just celebratory. uh, I don't even know how to explain it. It really, obviously, whoever was at the game last night, just as the same sentiments as I do. Um, yeah, just moving forward, if the team in particular you just feel darn good. Um, I mean, I don't think there's a chance we get another home game this year, but God, who knows what could still in, ensue with this crazy season at hand that we're still involved and in knee deep in it. Uh, sky's the limit, guys. Jeff and then again, and all the Browns fans out there. I just uh, tell you, man, it's just high. Just, it's 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 cloud nine today, and hopefully moving forward. But anyway, great show as always. Thanks for taking my call.
0: All right, Ryan. Thank you for calling. We appreciate it. Ryan supports us no matter where he's working in the country. We appreciate that. Absolutely. The, the one thing, Dan, I think that this has shown us more than anything is that and, – and Ryan just touched on it. Who knows where it goes? With everything they've overcome this year, you can't rule anything out. And that's bizarre. That's – you can't rule anything out what this thing could be. They could be out in one game. They who Could they win the whole thing? I would I would think absolutely not, except you can't rule anything out. Look what they've overcome. Nelson's in Avon Lake. Hi, Nelson.
5: Guys, how are you?
0: T- yeah, yeah, we're we're great, having man. fun today, despite about three day. hours sleep.
5: I know. Ah. It's, a, it's a great day in Cleveland. Uh, you know, thanks for indulging me, first and foremost. I just have a comment and then a question Comment is, I mean, the genius of Kevin Stefanski's offense to me is unbelievable, and and obviously you got to give a lot of credit to you know all the coaches, you know Coach Callahan, Stump Mitchell, you know like what they've what they've overcome this year in terms of injuries and still put a product out there that has won the, the Browns 11 games is crazy, and and then my question is. Can you and maybe this is hyperbole, but can you think in recent NFL history of a better coaching job than what Kevin Stefanski and his staff has done this year? Thanks guys. Have a great day.
0: All right, Nelson. Thank you very much. You gotta you'd
1: have to give me time to sit down and actually like rack my brain oh, and look all over the, all
0: kinds of stuff. Yeah. I, I I know off the top of my head, I, I can't think of a better coaching job that's been done here. And I, I, I certainly can't think of one that's been done around the NFL. I, it's been amazing. Injuries are a part of the game. But injuries to really key position spots, Dan. That's, outside of quarterback. Because you
1: you lived this and covered it better than I did. The Don Strachier, how much were they banged up
0: besides a quarterback? If If I recall correctly, it was nothing drastic. Okay. if I recall correctly no yeah and, and i I don't think it was anything like this I mean this isn't this is your your top three tackles are out I mean maybe your, your top three offensive tackles are out, maybe
1: Belichick in o three when Bletso went down and Brady came back in there I mean that team if you go back and look at that team, that defense was loaded, but that offense was' I a they won, lot of random New guys. England won
0: with Matt Castle too,
1: yeah, oh yeah. I mean that's that one popped in my head. Um the, the Browns maybe are on Kurt their
0: f- Warner? Browns are on their fourth quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean but even yeah and and that's only those were only backups as the greatest show on turf and Kurt Warner They're on that their, was supposed
0: to be Trent Green. They're on their fourth and fifth tackles.
1: Yeah, they didn't survive. I mean those weren't that level of injury. I I'd have to really sit down. And I and I'm I'm sure there is something that is in the vicinity, but boy off the top of my head, I got nothing.
0: I would agree with you on that. It's just been, it's been fascinating to be perfectly honest. And again, I, I have been a a Kevin Stefanski supporter for a number of years. And I, I have seen things in this guy that I've thought he has the chance to be a, a good NFL head coach, a really good one. And I, I think he's showing that, you know, in this game, you have to keep doing it. and, I think he will. I think he's. I think he's a really good coach. And Andrew Berry, I think, has had some misses over the years, but he has shown now that with patience mm-hmm. from ownership, he knows how to build a football team. Absolutely. And that's the the biggest thing to me about this whole season is the patience that ownership finally showed with the two guys in charge. And and. I've always been an admirer of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was an admirer of the Dallas Cowboys when they had it going. And those, in the Baltimore Ravens, as much as I despise them, mm-hmm. God, I, 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 I just envied them. You
1: admire how they built those teams Exa-
0: and sustained them. Yeah. And that's what I think ownership here has finally allowed the people that they hired to do. And that to me is, is the biggest thing about what's going on this season. And, and then some magic somehow. <laughs> because even with that, it shouldn't be where it is right now. Mm-hmm. Brian Anderson is a diehard Browns fan, as we all know. He also happened to be a major league pitcher. All out him. He was one. going nuts last night. Well, he's going to go nuts. nuts next. He joins us on Baskin of Phelps, Stefanski's press conference at 1230. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island